Good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Welcome, welcome. Glad that you're here today. If you're new or a guest, thank you for being here. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so good to have you with us. If you are a guest, we'd love for you, if you'd be so kind as to grab your cell phone and simply text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT. And we'll shoot you a link, click on that, fill out a couple of questions just so we know that you're here. How we can minister to you in the best way possible. We would love that. So glad that you're here. Before we jump in and keep worshiping together, I've got three big announcements for you, all right? Those are three big uh, announcements for the week. Three big things we want everybody to know. Big idea number one, big announcement number one. February 6th, we're going to have a men's breakfast here at the church. You can sign up for that by texting breakfast to our number. 910-424-1298. Just text breakfast there to sign up. Also, if you're planning on coming, if you can, bring some work gloves. We're going to hang out for about an hour afterwards and do a little bit of cleanup around here. If you can't do that, no big deal. Just come for breakfast. Get a chance to spend some time with one another. I'm really excited. Uh, I've got a message I'm going to present to you guys uh, from the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians says that there are certain men who are worthy of honor. Certain men are worthy to be honored, and so we're going to take a little time picking apart, well, what is, I, I want to be that guy, so what, what are the characteristics of a man worthy of honor? So that's going to be February 6th, sign up by texting breakfast to be a part of that. Second big announcement is, we would like for everyone to grab your phone, it's in your hand, we already know it. Grab your phone, and if you have not yet, please download the Southview Baptist Church app. You can find that at the Apple Store, Google Play, Amazon. Download the app. Um, over the next couple of months, we're not going to be doing bulletins uh, for a couple of reasons. One of them being we're trying to mitigate as much touching as possible, you know, during COVID. Uh, so things like that. So we're not going to be doing a bulletin for a little while. 
Um, also, a lot of the information on there is outdated. We've got to uh, order a new crop. And so, uh, so while we're in this lull time, we're asking you to download that app. That's where you're going to get all your uh, announcement information. Uh, that's where you can uh, find previous worship services uh, if you'd like to re-watch or listen to. That's where you're going to find how to get plugged into a journey group. You can give through the app. Uh, you can give a prayer request through the app. Um, you can do all of these things. Uh, the, also, sermon notes. Uh, the sermon notes for today are going to be on the app. You can pull that up uh, and follow the sermon notes. All of that right there. So we encourage you to download that if you have not yet and use that. We're going to be communicating with you heavily with that uh, moving forward. So if you can do that. And then third big announcement is starting in February, just a couple of weeks, we're going to do a new sermon series through the book of Acts. Extremely excited about this. I really believe God is going to speak to us, his people, through his word in the book of Acts. We're going to see what happens when a group of Christians become so overwhelmed by the glory and beauty and power and life of Jesus Christ that they end up flipping the world upside down. And so we're so excited. I think walking through this series in Acts and really 2021 as a whole is going to be a powerful building block for us as a congregation moving forward. So Start now kind of reading and praying through the book of Acts, getting ready for that. And we're going to jump in together first Sunday of February, studying God's word in the book of Acts and seeing what the Lord has to say to us. But as we think about seeing God for who he is, being changed by the glory and beauty of Jesus Christ, and then having that transform us into the image of Jesus and being sent out on mission for Jesus, I want to read real quick a scripture that we're going to look at today. John 15, verse 13. John 15, 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus committed the greatest act of love because he laid down his life, not for us when we were his friends, but when we were his enemies. Jesus died for you when you were his enemy so that you could become his friend. Jesus died for you when you hated him so that you could love him. Jesus died for you when you were on your way to eternal death and hell separated from him so that you can then be flipped and be heading towards eternal life in heaven united with him. And so what we're going to see today is how seeing, experiencing, living in the love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ radically radically changes us. So I want to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray over us before we start worshiping together in song. And Lord, I just ask for us here this morning, God, I pray that you would show each and every one of us in this room if there is something in us that blocks us from experiencing your full love. Maybe it's condemnation from our past. Maybe it's conviction of current sin right now. Maybe it's a lie about who God is. You misunderstand God and his word, and so you think God is one thing when he's actually not that. There can be these things, these roadblocks, these hindrances in our lives that stop us from really experiencing the fullness of God's love. So I pray, Lord, over us today, every person in this room, if there's something that is hindering them, blocking them, stopping them from experiencing your full love, 
Show them that and remove that today. Remove that today. Enable us to get a a greater vision of who you are, Jesus, a fuller picture of who you are and your love for us. Empower us, Lord, to live out your love in a profound way. Speak to us, your people, today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Stand with me as we sing about the glories of Christ. As we consider what has been done for us through his sacrificial life and death on the cross, that we have a reason to sing, we have a reason to celebrate. It's not a song, it's based on the truth of Christ's word that our God saves. That's why we sing and celebrate. I search the world. There's no 
celebrate an eternal God, a non, a God that doesn't change, holy and righteous, worthy of all honor and respect. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And that should be true for all of us, that as we follow each other, the world sees the face, the hands, the feet of Jesus. As we celebrate, no matter what's going on in our lives, we celebrate the greatness and the glory and the hope that is in Christ, in Christ alone. We sing about our great God, proclaim to all the world, church, these truths today. i 
1 Samuel, the prophet said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. He says, My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. And there is no rock like our God, the cornerstone of our faith. Christ says, look at me and follow me. He reigns supreme, church. Let's rest in that truth today and in every aspect of our lives that we might be found holy and righteous before him. Let's sing together, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd.
Have a seat, if you will, guys, as we, what a great song built off Psalm 23, the Lord, our good shepherd, and, and as our good shepherd, we go to him, trust in him, one of the ways we do that, obviously, is in prayer, and what we want to do every week is spend a little time praying together in corporate prayer, and Sometimes that means I pray and you pray along, or sometimes you guys pray out loud, or sometimes you pray just to yourselves. And that's what I want to do today. I want to spend a little time this morning just asking each of you individually just to be in prayer for something. When Jesus was in Matthew chapter 6 giving the Lord's, what's called now the Lord's Prayer, teaching us how to pray, specifically one of the things he says in there is, we're praying for God to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, and, and the idea about that is it's foundational for Christians to live in the grace and forgiveness of God poured out onto you. And then you then pour out that grace and forgiveness to everyone you interact with. Does that make sense? And he specifically says, I want you to pray about this. You know why he tells us that we need to pray about this? Because it's something that you're going to interact with and have to do a lot and it's not easy you need the power of the spirit of god to do this in you and through you uh, we are living right now in a very divided time in our nation but uh, 
I care far less about the division in our country than I do division within the body of Christ. That, that is heartbreaking. And, and destru- division within the body of Christ is infinitely more destructive than any division in our country. And so I, I want us to spend a little time today praying through this. So in John chapter 17... Jesus is moments away from his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. Right? He, he knows his time is now. It's come. And, and he's spending some time in prayer before he goes. And, and before he goes off on this ultimate culmination of his mission to earth, the cross, he spends time praying. He doesn't just pray, but he prays for you. He doesn't just pray for you, but it's important to see what he prayed for you. So look at John 17, 23. Jesus is literally moments away from his betrayal, mock trial, and crucifixion. And this last prayer uttered up for his church, here's what he prays. John 17, 23. I in them and you in me, Jesus in us and us in Jesus. Jesus in the Father, the Father in Christ, they are united that they, that's us, may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. When, when death was imminent, the last thing on Jesus' mind was the unity of his church. And, and what he's saying here is, if I am united in Christ, and this brother over here is united in Christ, it is, should be literally impossible that we're not united with one another. Does that make sense? Your division with someone else inside the body of Christ has little to do with you and that person. It has everything to do with you and Jesus. At least in whether or not you're pursuing unity with them. And look at the way it describes unity there. That they may become perfectly one. That word perfectly means perfect without fault or defect. Um, when it comes to the idea of unity, I think Southview is actually in a very dangerous place. We're in a dangerous place because we as a church don't have major factions or divisions. Right? There are no major schisms or no issues. There's no this group or that group. Like, it doesn't exist here. We had a business meeting a couple of weeks ago, and the whole thing lasted seven and a half minutes. That was mainly because I couldn't get you all to quit talking and hanging out with one another. So for a church like ours, here's where the rubber's going to meet the road. Not are there massive divisions that are easily seen, and boy, we got to do something about that. Now we're talking about the minutiae and the details. Is there anyone, anyone, Is there any place, any tiny place, where there is offense, unforgiveness, bitterness? The little things that can be swept under the rug where it's just kind of just, well, you know, that's just, there's not really part of our group. Well, you know, you can't like everybody. You walk in and you see two seats, one by that person and one by somebody else. You're like, yep. That, 
is not being perfectly one. That is sin before God, and that must be repented of. And if you read, keep reading 23, verse 23, here's why. Look at this. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. The greatest evangelistic tool in the world is a church that radically, supernaturally shows grace and love and compassion and forgiveness to one another. That, that is going to make this community take notice. It is not the music, it is not the preaching by a thousand miles. It's not our programs, it's not our building, it's not our facilities. The, we live in a world that is dog-eat-dog. Dog. If you take someone off, they're going to tell you, they're going to put you on blast on Facebook. What John 17, 23 is saying is, when people realize, wait a second, I, this is the world I live in, but I can go be a part of that group. And they're going to love me and show grace to me and forgive me and not leave me no matter how many times I jack this thing up. I want to be a part of them. That's where I want, I, I want to be in that group. That, according to Jesus in John 17, 23, is what going to prove to the world that Jesus is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. The unity in this group right here, right now, the unity in this room right here, right now, is the greatest evangelistic tool we have. It's the greatest. Which is why Jesus specifically tells us in his model prayer, you need to make this a regular part of your time with the Lord. Seek him. Is there any place? Is there anything? If there is, let's get this thing done. So as we pray in this, I, I have three questions I just want you to consider to kind of fuel and guide our prayers. And I'm going to send you off and let you spend a little time before the Lord. Uh, question number one, is there anyone I have offended but have not asked forgiveness? Is there anyone that you've offended? Big, small, meant to, didn't mean to, whatever. Are you aware? Now, sometimes we've offended people and we had no idea that we do it. Right? Ever been that guy? I have. But then there are the times where you know. God's not holding you to account for the things that you don't know you did. Right now, he's speaking to your heart about that one thing that you do know. Have you offended someone? In whatever way, big or small. Specifically, within the church. Within your home. And not ask for forgiveness. Second. Ask yourself, do I harbor the slightest bit of anger, unforgiveness, bitterness toward anyone? Do I harbor the slightest bit? You know it's slight when it's something you don't think about often, but then you just turn a corner and you see them and boom, there it goes. 
That's the slightest bit that still hasn't been dealt with yet. Third, have I spoken to anyone, texted anyone, posted on social media anything that can be construed as any form of gossip or critical speech about someone? Even if you don't know them, you do realize even if you don't know them but you trash them on social media, that still counts, like God still sees that. What God calls us to is perfect unity. Perfect unity. And in us, that is impossible. But in Christ, that is very much a reality. It is definitely the reality that we are to be constantly pursuing. So I want to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. And, and we're just going to let this be a time for you. You to spend time with the Lord. If you want to come up front at the altar, you're welcome to. If you need to get up and feel like you need to go chat with someone to get them to pray with you or for you or you need to talk to someone about something, you're free to do that. But we just want to take a little time and let the Holy Spirit deal with our hearts. As we've walked through this, have there been any faces or names that have popped into your mind? I would take that as the Holy Spirit's leading, that that's a direction that you're to pray towards. And if nothing comes to your mind, we don't want to manipulate it, right? This is the Spirit's work, and so if nothing comes to your mind, just pray for the body as a whole that we would pursue this. Maybe that's your calling today. Jesus, I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to see what we need to see in ourselves be convicted of what we need to be convicted of and to pursue you, Jesus, with the fullness of all you have in us for your glory. So spend a little time with the Lord. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that Ephesians 2 says that you, through your cross, have broken down every dividing wall between us. I thank you, Jesus, that you have made it possible through your life, death, burial, resurrection, and empowering of your Holy Spirit to, to live this out, to really seek to be, pursue perfect oneness in the body of Christ. And I pray, God, if there's... There's one big thing I pray that you just illuminate our hearts today on is this idea in your word that we are to pursue perfect oneness and that we aren't to just sweep anything under the rug and assume that that's just our new reality and okay, it's just not. So even if there's no great division or lack of unity that needs to be dealt with in this room, I pray God in the least that you just so 
drill down into our hearts this truth that we are always constantly to pursue perfect oneness in this body. Do this in us, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find John 15 together, all right? John 15. So we're studying John 15, uh, which might be one of the most important sections of uh, um, Jesus speaking in the entire Bible. Uh, John 15 is just absolutely slammed full of life-changing truth. So I'd encourage you to spend time in John 15, read it, memorize it, meditate on it, ask the Lord to speak to you about this, study it in depth, and let Christ change you. So we've seen in John 15 how we bear out fruit, how we really change, how we grow as Christians. We talked about abiding in Christ, Christ abiding in us, about His Word abiding in us. Today we're going to look at God's love, abiding in God's love. Uh, God's love is a mega theme of the scriptures. It's mentioned about 500 times in the Bible. And so what we're going to see today is how God's love impacts us and changes us. And when we talk about love, we want to we clarify here. When we talk about love, we're not talking about goofy, cheesy pop song love, right? We're not singing Jesus is my boyfriend. Okay. When the Bible talks about God's love, it is speaking of a powerful, ferocious, courageous love that sends you hurling into danger to save the life of someone you care deeply about. This is why Jesus came. He came because of God's love for us. Jesus came. God's love demands action and and brought salvation. And this love is what absolutely changes us. We're going to talk about how God's love impacts us in a couple of ways. One, obeying God, and two, showing love towards other people. All right? So the, the big idea that I want us to understand today is, for many of us, we have spent the vast majority of our Christian lives trying our best to will ourselves into goodness. Right? I'm going to obey. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And it doesn't really work a ton. Right, when we're, we're trying our best to do it ourselves, it's sort of like if I had a, this metal bar, and I was going to stand up here and try to bend this bar, do like this feat of strength thing. Right? First thing, I'm probably going to hurt myself. But beyond that, if I try to bend this bar, if I get the leverage and I'm able to, to, to put some pressure on this bar, a couple of things are going to happen. One, I may be able to get that bar to bend a little bit. Right? It may flex a little bit. If I get enough pressure at the right angle, I may be able to flex it a little bit but the second I let the pressure up, boom, it goes right back to the way it was. Or I may, you know, eat my Wheaties, eat some spinach, get all jacked up, and go add to this thing and boom, break it. And this is the way the human heart is trying to bear out fruit and be good in your own strength. All right? You apply pressure. And maybe you can apply enough pressure in your heart to where you're able to make yourself obey, right? You ever been there, right? You're able to make yourself obey, and then, but the second your hand slips, the second the pressure can't be applied anymore, the second you're just tired, boom, it goes right back to the way it was. Right? This is why you've sat in a church service, and you have sworn you would never, ever, 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 ever do that again. 
and you meant it, and you're serious, and you did all you could to make sure that didn't happen. And for a little while, it worked. And then a few days or a few weeks or a few months or a few years later, boom. Take the pressure off. Goes right back to the way it was. Or, you ever been around someone who's had pressure, 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 and boom, they break? You ever been around someone that tried to live their whole life as a devout legalist? That's a broken soul. They are a not fun person to be around. What the scriptures are going to tell us today is that both of those are wrong and there is a right way. And that is by abiding in God's love. So pick it up in verse 9, John 15, verse 9. Let's see what God's word says to us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. All right, so, first thing we're going to look at is this. Look at verse 9. First big point for today. You must... Soak up God's love for you. This is where it starts. You must soak up God's love for you. Again, like I was saying, for many of us, the reason we've struggled in the Christian faith, the reason that that we've struggled to catch traction, the reason we've done well and then fallen off, the reason we've made commitments and truly, genuinely meant it. You sat in a pew and you prayed a prayer, And it made a vow, and you meant it. But it's such a struggle to keep. I think one of the reasons why that is, is because Christianity is not supposed to start with you. It's supposed to start with God. This is a major problem that we hit, a major confusion point that we have that causes all things to crumble. You start your Christian life focusing on you. Right? I mean, just think about the way you became a Christian, probably, a lot of us. You're sitting in a pew. Right? You're a part of XYZ Baptist Church. Your parents are. Right? It's a Sunday night service. Preacher's going to town. Maybe it's a fifth Sunday night singing. For those of you that did not grow up in the South, you missed it. You have no idea. Someone's sharing the gospel, and it goes something like this. You don't want to go to hell, do you? Nope. You want to go to heaven? Yeah. All right. God's got a great plan for your life. So you pray this prayer. Ask Jesus into your heart. Let him give you a good life. Well, that sounds like a no-brainer. Let's do that. And so you do it. You walk the aisle, and you pray a prayer, and you ask Jesus to come into your life and to make your life better. Well, the problem is, what word are we using a lot there? You. For many of us, we entered into the Christian faith focused entirely on ourselves. So then we start trying to grow in the Christian faith, focusing on ourselves. 
Well, I got to start this, and I got to stop that, and I got to do this, and I can't do that, and I got to get better here, and I got to stop that there. And everything focuses around you and how you are going to do it and the plan that you have and how you're going to accomplish this. And that is not biblical Christianity. The whole point of Christianity is this you can't do it. That's why God came to you. You didn't go to God. That's why Emmanuel is God with us, not you with him. You can't climb Jacob's ladder to get to him. That's why Jesus came down to you. This is the point of Christianity. You can't do it. So we want to focus in today on the first big idea. And you got to get this. It is about God. And if you struggle with the Christian faith, the answer is get a greater vision of God. See who God is. Have your heart saturated with the love, the grace, the power, the holiness, the splendor of God. And as you behold God, you're going to be transformed into the image of him. Look at verse 9. Soak up God's love for you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Think about this. As the Father has loved me, our love relationship with God does not begin with our love for God. It begins not even with God's love for us. It begins with God's love for God. Within the Trinity, the Father perfectly, completely, totally loved the Son with no imperfection and no hiccup and no fault at all. The love was perfect. So when it came to try to explain God's love for you, What's happening here? How does God pour out his love for you? There's perfect love and unity within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they take that love and then they now point it down and direct it and pour it in to you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. When it came to trying to explain God's love for you, this is amazing. When Jesus was trying to explain to us how much God loves you, he's trying to think of how to bring this across. He doesn't say, God loves you like a husband loves a wife. God loves you like a mom loves her baby. God loves you like a soldier loves his country. When it came to trying to explain God's love for you, the only way he could possibly explain it to you is God loves you the same way the Father loves me. Perfect. He says, abide in my love, dwell there, stay there, remain there. We've talked about abiding a lot the last several weeks. Abide means to stay someplace, remain there, dwell there, live there. Saying abide in my love, don't leave this, don't think you graduate from this, don't think you had that part checked and licked. The answer is God's love, and the answer is always going to be coming back to God's love. If you struggle to walk in obedience, we're going to see the answer is seeing God in his love. You struggle to love others, the answer is going to be seeing God in his love. The answer to not bearing fruit is seeing God in his love. It's always going to come back here, abide here, dwell here, stay here, remain here. 1 John 3, 1, the Apostle John says, See, behold, what great, immeasurable, unspeakable love the Father has for you, that he should make you his children. See this, dwell this. Dwell on this, live in this, abide in this, God's love for you. And as you soak up God's love for you, you then be able to wring it out. 
Look at this next verse, verse 10. What are the ways that we ring it out? First, you ring out God's love in joyful obedience to Him. So, the analogy that we have here is a sponge. So here I have a dry sponge. Um, I'm not going to be able to get any water to come out of this. It's dry. Right? If I were to, to wring this out, I could, I could grit my teeth, I could try harder, I could squeeze with all I have, I can get a, a vice grip, I can do everything I can to try to squeeze, but it's dry, nothing's going to come out of it. In the same way, I just described the way many of you try to obey God. You just try your best to squeeze harder. I know the problem. I know the problem. I'm not squeezing hard enough. That's what I need to do. I'm going I'm to squeeze even harder. I'm going to do it. And it doesn't work. Why? Because that is not the way the human heart was designed to work through life in Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The key to you obeying is you abiding. The key to you obeying God is by abiding in His love. And so while I can't make water come out of this dry sponge, I can, however, take the sponge, dip it in this water, let it soak up, and as soon as every pore of this sponge is soaked and saturated, I can now take it, and now I actually have something to wring out. Brothers and sisters, the answer to you, obeying God, is not you trying harder. The answer to you obeying God is not wringing it even harder. The answer to you walking in obedience is you soaking up God's life and love that he poured out for you. And then it even describes this obedience in an even more amazing way in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It describes not just joy, but it says that my joy, literally the joy of Jesus poured into your life and that your joy now becoming full. It's the, it's the same word used for like a, a, a pitcher of water, right? Filled up where you can't put anything else in there. Your joy filled up. What he's describing here is this. You being so immersed in the life and love of Jesus Christ that you are beyond joyfully excited to walk in obedience to Him. For many Christians, obedience to God is drudgery. I gotta obey, I gotta obey, I gotta obey, I gotta obey. It is misery. And we wonder why we bear so little fruit. It's not the way... It was designed to work. In about a year and a half, Marie and I are going to be celebrating our 20-year anniversary. So we're exciting. We're going to plan a big trip. We're going to go off. She and I and one of my kids uh, asked, uh, hey, can we go with you? That's a negative, Ghost Rider, right? That, uh, that pattern is full. Um. But imagine Marie and I, we're 20-year anniversary, standing on a beach in Hawaii, 
if Hawaii's open, I don't know. I jokingly said in the first service, I'm going to have to join the army to go to Hawaii. And someone said, they'll send you to Alaska. (laughs) But imagine we're standing on this beach 20 years. I look at her and I say, 20 years ago, I stood in front of our family and friends. And I made a commitment to be with you for the rest of my life. And it has been really, really hard. But I have woken up every day, gritting my teeth, saying, so help me God. I'm going to do this. Right? If I were to say that to her, she's not going to look at me and say, ever since I was a little girl, (laughs) I dreamed of someone saying that to me. Right? That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's going to be a long flight home. But if we're honest, and I'm exaggerating a little bit for effect, but if we're honest, for many Christians, your connection with God and obedience isn't much different than that. Okay, I'm going to obey. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm serious this time. And I'm, I'm going I'm to get accountability partners. And I'm going to put stuff on my computer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And, it. and it doesn't last. Why? Because the only obedience that actually bears fruit is joyful obedience. And the only way you can live out joyful obedience is if you first allow your heart to be soaked up in the life and love of Jesus Christ. It always, only starts with Him. So that for me in my own life, like if I'm, if I'm tempted with something, I'm struggling to obey, what I, I don't just, I used to, I used to. Go, okay, all right, well, what, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm not going to do that. I'm, 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 I'm turning from that temptation. This isn't what I'm going to do. And sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. More times than not, it didn't. And I usually was filled with all kinds of condemnation and regret. But then God began to open up my eyes to this. And so now when I met with temptation, I respond with, Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you have given me your life. Thank you, Jesus, that when I was unworthy, you poured out your life and love on me. Jesus, I ask you that you would allow your heart, your, your love to fill up every pore of my heart. I just see how good you are, Lord, right now, and I just want you and not just this. See the difference? Now I have actually something to ring out. I have something to actually come out of my heart, not just me trying my best to be better. So as we soak up God's love, we we then get to ring that out in joyful obedience. And, And then second thing, Look at verse 12. We're going to ring it out with love toward others. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We are to love one another, not according to our standard, but Jesus' standard. How did Jesus love you? He loved you when you were unworthy. He loved you when you did not return it. He loved you when you were going to be unfaithful to him. He loved you when he knew you weren't going to reciprocate. He loved you even that way. And that's the way it's describing your love for others. We talked earlier about forgiving. How in the world do you forgive someone? People come into my office to go, I, I need to forgive this person. I say, okay, well, let's talk about God's forgiveness of you. I, I know that. I need to forgive that person. Okay, well, let's talk about God's forgiveness of you. I know that, but I need to forgive this person. Let's talk about God's forgiveness of you. The only way you're ever going to forgive someone is if you become more and more and more soaked up and saturated with the unbelievable reality of God's forgiveness of you. Now, as you soak up God's forgiveness of you, you're actually going to have something to wring out for someone else. The reason that you can't forgive that person is not because what they did was so horrific. It's because you need to spend a little more time soaking up God's forgiveness of you. Because again, you're focusing on you or them, and that is not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is always to Jesus. The reason you struggle to love someone is not because they are this or they are that or they're so obnoxious or have you seen them eat? My goodness. The answer is you soaking up God's love of you. And as you meditate and are changed by God's gracious love for you, you now have something to pour out. I'm going to ask our band to come up, and we're going to spend some time here in a minute setting this before the Lord and asking Him to speak to us. Verse 13, again, says, no greater love Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus is obviously referring to him dying on the cross for us. But then he tells us to do the same thing, right? To, to reciprocate in like manner. So how do you lay down your life for someone? You do that by laying down your rights, your privileges, your opinion, your position. And just allowing the love of Christ to soak up into your heart and get poured out to someone else. How do you bear fruit? How do you bear true, lasting, genuine, eternal fruit? By beholding Jesus Christ, soaking up in your heart His life and love and glory and beauty and majesty, power, His grace, and then having something to actually ring out in joyful obedience to Him and sacrificial love to others. Let's bow our heads. We're going to stand in a moment. We're going to sing. You can come up front and pray. You can pray where you are. You can grab someone to pray with you, whatever you'd like. But let's spend a little time this morning asking God to reveal to us Ephesians 1:15. Open up the eyes of our hearts to see God for who He really is. And as we see Him for who He really is, 
our hearts being soaked up with his life and love poured out for us. And now, man, we're able to finally ring that thing out in joyful, joyful obedience to him and sacrificial love to everyone we meet. Let's sing. So we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep going. But, but as we do that, I want to just kind of focus us in for a minute. Think again about 
John 15, 9. Where Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I want us to take just a minute this morning, and I want you to ask God if there is something. Is there a reason why you might struggle to abide, to live, to dwell in His love, to really experience His love and be changed by it? Is there a reason for that? Ask God to speak that to your heart and show you, and then ask Him to remove that. Lord, I just pray over us here as we continue to worship you, God, that we'll, God, we will see you, Jesus, for who you are. We will be changed by you. We will be gripped and moved for your glory. Have your way in us. This is our only desire. In Jesus' name. Everyone stand with me. Let's sing this out together. As we're confessing, professing to the Lord that I give Him my everything. I give my heart, my soul, my desire, my everything. I want you and you alone. Every breath I take, every moment I'm awake, God, just have your way in me. This is our prayer to God. Let's lift that up together. This is our prayer, that the Lord would have his way in us as we soak up his life and love and walk out in joyful obedience to him. One of the ways that we ring out in joyful obedience is by giving. I want to pray for our offering. You're welcome to uh, take that up however you'd like. We have you know, buckles on the way out. Or you can give online via the app, whatever you'd like. But I want to pray blessings over our offering. Um, if you're a guest with us, my wife and I will be down front. We'd love for you to come down so we can talk with you, put a name with a face. Uh, 
But I love you guys and I'm excited for what Jesus is doing in you personally. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, how you speak to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you give us your life. And that through that, you empower us to live out your life for your glory. God, I pray that you would enable each and every one of us to experience your real life and love. And then be able to ring that out to glorify you. I pray, God, your blessings on our offering. As it's taken up this week, we pray, God, that you would use that for your glory. Bless those who give. We know that you are. You're so gracious in that. Multiply that so that your kingdom may be advanced. Give us wisdom on how to use that in the best way to see your kingdom advanced. I pray this week that we would see obvious manifestations of fruit bearing out in our lives because we are experiencing your life and love and living out the realities of your life and love in us. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week. Come to the end of yourself.